Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening wherever you are on this beautiful planet. Welcome to the Reconnecting to the Artists Within podcast, inspiring you to crack open your creative vision and unleash it on the world. I am your host, Mike Murray, and I am super stoked to have you here listening to this episode today. As always, I have a wonderful guest lined up to interview on today's episode. So without further ado, let's jump right into this week's show. Hey, Andrea. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good, thanks. How's your day been? Yeah, it's been good. I, I did a lot of music today, so that was exciting. Good. That is good. <laughs> How's your day been? Uh, it's just starting since we're in such different time zones. Oh, yeah, you're right. I forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I had a negative test result last night. Oh, that's good news. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. yeah. I had I had two exposures uh, over the past like 10 days. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. So I had to wait a few days for it to incubate and then get tested. Mm. So that came back last night it was a rapid test so i only had to wait 15 minutes for it so oh wow cool how many days did you have to wait like incubation period do you remember what that was uh they recommended a week so okay i waited six days yeah no no it was seven days because today's friday yeah it was seven days that i waited i don't know what day of the week it is anymore (laughs) no so weird right I uh, I just yeah, can't believe that like it's 2020, but it's kind of just going to be over and we're all going to look back and be like, what the hell happened? I know, right? I thought 2020 would be like this, this big year. It is a big year. It's a huge year. <laughs> just I know not in any of anybody thought it would be. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I thought too, like it just had this like feeling like 2020, like it's these two numbers and they're both the same. It's like, it's like, it's going to be, everything's going to be in alignment and it's just gonna be a perfect year. You know, we're going to see things clearly or something. I don't know. And uh, exactly. what a shit <laughs> yeah. show. Right. Yes. So yeah. um, it, let, let me ask you this. Are you from Brussels or are you just living there? Where are you from? I'm just living here. I am from New York state. Upstate oh, New York. me too. Oh, really? Whereabouts? Yeah, I'm from Buffalo. Oh, okay. I'm from, from Buffalo. A, yeah, cool. I'm from a small town called Bath, New York. That's I grew up on Cuca. No way. My grandfather had a cottage. So did I. So did we. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they, so we, uh, our cottage, we actually still rent it back from the new owners. We don't own it anymore. This is great. Uh, I love Cuca Lakers. Oh my God, um, me too. It's like my favorite yeah, place on earth. Hilarious. Yes, it is my happy place and I will buy my cottage back. That is like the number one goal is to buy my cottage back. I'm getting full body chills because I'm having the same feelings and experience. (laughs) So my family sold it against my wishes. I I didn't want them to. And uh, yeah, that's a lifelong dream for sure to buy it back. That's interesting. Right. So ours is on East Lake. Well, actually, no, it's Cuca Village Road. You know how East Lake Road, yeah, uh, you know, along. it dips yeah. in and dips in and dips in. And yeah. there's only one of the loops that's called Cuca Village Road. Okay. So that's our road. So we live right by the Switz. Well, live. <laughs> what the F? We live right by the Switz. That's yeah, crazy. Dude. Yeah. Uh, the spot where we live. The oh, spot. you know my place. It's the Big Red Doors. The big red doors. I'm sure I do know it then. So if you're on the lake and yeah. you go just north of the Switz, yeah. you'll see 
a cottage with a big ass willow tree that has okay. humongous red barn doors. Uh, that's my place. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. We were south of the Switz. Do you know who the, um, oh God, what was it? These two brothers, Landos, Tommy and Donnie Lando. Do you know who they were? They owned a, um, they owned a nightclub in Corning, New York. Okay. Um, but uh, so we lived right next to them. We had this yellow, this small yellow cottage, bright yellow that my grandparents painted it yellow every year. Uh-huh. And uh, man, yeah, that place is my happy place. Had some just magical memories and times there on the lake. And it's just something special about Cuca Lake, obviously, you know, so. Lady Cuca holds all of your secrets and never judges you. Yeah, I definitely did a lot of that. <laughs> gnarly things on that lake i think um we lost that place when i was 14 or 15 okay. so i didn't get to live out my teen years there got it um but we started renting it back from the new owners like i want to say six years ago mm -hmm. so one week per year my family gets to go yeah. to our cottage and pretend like we still own it <laughs> <laughs> yeah we it's funny because we do something similar not the same but yeah we rent a cottage every year for one week this was the first year we didn't um since we sold it right that we rent a place and uh and it's great i mean i love going back to the lake i love being with my family and renting a place S you know super sad that my dad and uncle decided to sell it my grandfather like told me like don't let them sell it and i was like i won't you know it'd been my grandmother's parents owned it. And then, you know, it was passed down through the generations, but my dad and my uncle just felt like they couldn't afford the taxes. They didn't, I don't know if they couldn't or didn't want to, you know what I mean? But, yeah, it's, the taxes are crazy. Um, but yeah, when you, when you look at the overall thing about it, I'm like, oh my God, it was basically paid off when, oh, yeah. when my, grandparents sold it and yeah it was all about the taxes and i'm like really i'm, I'm still really mad at you know my dad and my uncle same yeah, thing jesus for for basically saying well well we can't afford it either which at the time like my uncle was still a total screw up and really didn't have any money and my parents really weren't well off either but when you break it down it's like i'm sorry even if the taxes are like 20 grand which they're not no like split that up figure it out get a second like anything yeah, to yeah, keep yeah. that piece totally mm, anyway <laughs> yeah i mean you could we could talk the whole podcast about this because they, look <laughs> well, i've got a picture more some other time <laughs> this is this is a this is a photo frame this is my wife sitting in front of it that's the yellow cottage right there it's the oh. picture blurry my sister took this photo yeah. Um, and then there's one of me right next to it, but the other cottage is in the background. But you know, it's like, I think that what are the taxes like a couple grand a year? Is this year? No, no, it's probably it is probably closer to like eight or ten grand. So this is on my vision board. That's my place. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So you had yeah. So ours was very cottage like that as well. It wasn't anything like you know. Uh, oh expensive yeah. It's not or like massive. a mansion. No. Mm -hmm. It was just a cottage, right? Got the job done and. Uh, yeah, maybe the taxes were closer to seven, but at the time when my dad sold it, my dad and my uncle, both me and my cousin, Ryan, who's like my older cousin on his side, we both had like well-paying enough jobs that I was trying to leverage like, look, we'll help pay the taxes. Like, come on, right. let's save it. Let's, 
let's do some rentals, you know, and, and just keep it in the family. Um, exactly. Rent it to pay the taxes. And my dad and uncle also just didn't want to have the, uh, the maintenance. I think there was some, maybe some, my dad always said, well, he's told me later that like, he didn't get to enjoy it as much as we did because it was always like a place of work for him. You yeah. Know, go there and they, yeah. Yeah. You know, like as my grandfather, you know, like, but anyways, so as kids, we got to just enjoy it. So that's probably why I have a fond memory, but. How yeah. old are you? I am 38. How old are you? I'm 34. Mm-hmm. So we probably had a very similar time. <laughs> yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Probably know a lot yeah. of the same people. That's cool that you were so close. The east side is the best side because you get the sunsets every night right over the bluff I there. I know, I mean, right? It's incredible. Yes. I would not, um, the west side too, they're, they don't have a beach. It's all yeah, just exactly. Rock, um, no beach. Yeah, the it, road like, is crap. super quick. You yeah. can't swim. Like, it's just like a cliff. Everybody knows the east side is the best side. <laughs> 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 yep. Oh, so, cool. Awesome. Yeah, very good. This is so cool, Andrea. So <laughs> crazy. Yep. I can't wait to tell my wife like this. Is, you'll never guess. Is she from around there as well? No, she's from the Netherlands and that's why we're in Brussels. Cool. Awesome. Yep. yep. Very nice. So we wanted to move to Europe. Uh, she had a grandmother that passed away and it was kind of hard to be away from family um, for her. And so it was just like, I was ready to try something new, get out of the States, you know. You should be glad you don't live in America. <laughs> I was, we moved here two years ago and I used, we lived, we used to live in New York City and I used to tell her like, hon, we got to get out of here. And I was like, I don't know, I got a bad feeling. Like it just feels like things are awfully tense right now. And uh, you know, shit goes down. We're not in a good place. Like, no, you know. I don't like New York. I, I visited yeah. there once and I was like, yeah, this is enough for me. I don't need to ever come back here. Too many people. <laughs> too many people, too much garbage, too much, too much. Like, and I had exactly. that anxiety around that time too. Mm-hmm. And like, just the subway system and so many people, I was, my head was wrecked. Yeah. I couldn't even take it. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Cause I would desensitize myself when I first got there with drugs and alcohol. And when I stopped that type of lifestyle and became more in tune with myself, I started to experience that type of anxiety being in that setting. Like I couldn't even tolerate riding the subway for yeah. just the sheer amount of people or the fact that I was underground and just like, oh. We yeah. took one subway where at some point my ears popped and I looked at my cousin and I went, we're underwater, aren't mm-hmm. we? Mm-hmm. And she went, mm-hmm. And I went, mm-hmm. <laughs> you must have taken the L train, but you took the L train. I was not okay with that. <laughs> no, that's funny. Wow. Yeah. Um, So in any case, yeah, very similar upbringings then. Yeah, super Um, cool. Upstate New Yorker. Look at that. You're the second one on the podcast. This other guy I interviewed, he's down in Georgia, but he was from um, just outside of Syracuse. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so where are you now, though? I'm in Colorado. Cool. Okay. That has the map says it behind you. (laughs) Yes, my giant, my giant map. Okay. Um, this has a good story. This was hanging up in, in uh, one of my coworkers' offices, um, office, his office, and he passed away. And I took it. <laughs> I was like, okay. I took there it. There you go. It's an older map of Colorado. It's from the 80s. Oh, cool. So um, I just thought it was more interesting because it was older. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I'm glad you're here today, Andrea. Thank you for agreeing to come on to the podcast with me. 
I'm excited to talk to you and hear about your journey, where you've been, where you are now. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's the things that I really want to dig into is always like, you know, the stories, you know, kind of like how you grew up as a child, as far as like, you know, creativity and the role that it played. And then, you know, most of us, of course, uh, move away from our creativity, right? Because society kind of coaxes us into doing so. And then, you know, some of us come back around. And so the podcast is designed or hoping to inspire people that if they're, they're thinking about getting back in touch with their creativity that, you know, like, hey, there's other people out there that have done it, you know, so you can do it too. So that's really the intention of the podcast. So with that said, any questions? You ready to dive in? I'm ready. You're ready. Okay. So one of the ways I like to start, maybe you've listened to a few already, but I just like to have like a quick brief summary of, you know, like creativity in your life as a child, what happened for you to move away from it and then kind of where you are now. And then we can sort of go through all the individual parts to hear more detail. Sure. I can give you the synopsis. Let's hear it. Okay. Okay. So um, when I was younger, uh, my whole life was centered around music. Um, I grew up in a very musical family. My dad was a guitarist and vocalist. Um, my mom's family had a family choir. Um, so we would sing hymns. Mm -hmm. um, and then that followed me all through elementary school. I was in marching band, chorus, um, um, concert band. I played the tuba for several years. Cool. And this, um, yeah, I was a very small tuba player. It was pretty good. <laughs> but I was really good at it. And, and music was most of my life. Um, I fell away from that uh, after high school. And I didn't know what I wanted to go to. I didn't want to go to college. I okay. was um, very unfocused as a teenager and just wasn't interested in continuing my education. But then being in the working world, you start to realize like, wow, I'm going to work minimum wage for the rest of my life if I don't do something. Yeah. So yeah. I started to think about um, how I what I wanted to go to college for. And my mom reminded me that when I was about 10 years old um, at Cuca Lake, uh, <laughs> I was taught by my grandmother how to load a film camera and shoot film. And I would take pictures of clouds mm. at, at the lake. I would take all different kinds of pictures of the lake and the sky and um it was just it was just something fun for me to do something to occupy my time when maybe the water was too cold to swim or something like that yeah. so that was when i was about 10 years old so i decided to go to college for photography mm -hmm. and i went to the university at buffalo state state school yep. um, from 2005 until 2010 and it was there that I started to really put everything together that like, wow, maybe, maybe I am an artist. Like maybe this is always what I was meant to be. I mean, music is awesome and I was really good at it, but it wasn't something that I felt like I could maybe pursue as a career. But the more and more I went through my classes in college and whatnot, I was like, oh, no, this is it. This, this is the stuff right here. So um, 
throughout college, throughout that period, 2005, 2010, I started um, becoming really uh, seated in the Buffalo arts and music scene and just doing as many shows as I could, just talking to as many people as I could, um, partying with the greats and all of that. <laughs> uh, so I did that for a long, long time up until um, 2014 when we decided it was time to leave. I had already, I had already met my, the man that would become my husband and him and I both were um, ready to leave Buffalo. Um, the, the opioid epidemic had really sort of taken hold in, wow. um, in both his circle and my circle and we just, we just couldn't do it anymore. Um, so we left. And we came to Colorado for bigger, better things. But what we didn't realize was that the bigger, better thing was actually starting a family. Got we it. thought we were coming to Colorado to have me be a little fish in a big pond again so that I could like really expand my art and he was gonna really expand his music. And what happened instead was we started a family. Okay. And um, that happened almost immediately. So in 2015, our daughter was born and it became very apparent that as much as art and music was so important to us, it really had to get put aside for a while. And we needed just steady jobs and we needed to really just focus on like, okay, we need to make this much money. Buckle down. Uh, buckle down, dang it. So that's what we did. Um, I worked a couple, you know, just retail jobs, whatever. Um, he actually always has been a commercial printer. And so he works on printing presses, but that was always just what he did for money. You know, music was his passion. So we, um, he just started working more, more overtime, more overtime, more overtime. I managed to get a job at the local camera store. So mm -hmm. at least I felt like maybe I was being somewhat creative, but not really. Yeah. I actually stopped doing any of my own artwork entirely. Sure. And it was sort of a really sad time for me because I was so busy raising my daughter and trying to like build our life out here. Um, I don't know if you know, Colorado is extremely expensive to live in. Okay, no, I'm not aware. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's actually far more expensive than living anywhere in New York State or several other states in America. It's one of the most expensive places to live in America currently. Wow. So um, there was just this pressure all the time to just make more money, make more money, make more money. And frankly art and music didn't seem to fit into that scenario whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, so from 2014, 2015, 2016, 17, 18, I made no art, mm -hmm. no art. <laughs> and um, looking back, that was a mistake. Uh, I should have actually, uh, rather than being so focused on you know, being there for my family and making sure everything was, uh, you know, paid for and, you know, extra and this, this and that. 
I would have been a lot happier throughout that period if I had stuck to my guns and at least, at least had a hobby <laughs> of art making. Got it. So was that the mistake that it just was a sacrifice of some of your happiness, not making art? Um, I mean, yes and no. I, I learned a lot during those off years because what I was doing instead was selling cameras. And then I, um, I, I got a real estate license. Mm -hmm. And then for a while, I also sold cars. Okay. So, so, <laughs> um, the camera store wasn't too bad. The cars was not a lot of fun. I will tell you that, oh, yeah. you know, um, first of all, it's not nearly as easy to do as a lot of people think it is. And I really didn't want to be like the sleazy car salesman yeah, <laughs> or salesman. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was difficult to operate in that sort of environment with, um, integrity and still make money Got it. <laughs> so so yeah there was a long period where I just felt like <sighs> I was not where I wanted to be I did not have I was not fulfilled in any capacity because mm -hmm. um you know yeah we were making the bills but we still really didn't have any extra and and I was not filling my soul with things that I liked to do so um, it was a fairly dark period. Hmm. Dark night of the soul, like they say. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one good thing that came out of it was I learned a lot about sales during that time because the things I was selling was progressively going up in price. So selling cameras, selling cars, selling houses. Yeah. Um, so now... I have a little bit of a better foundation to sell my artwork um, because frankly, as musicians, artists, creatives, etc., yes, we create, but guess what? We're also the salesman, yeah, the marketer, the janitor, the <laughs> we are everything and we need to be everything. The chef. <laughs> and we have, yeah. We need to have at least a good grasp on how to do those things if we're not prepared to outsource those things. So for me, the value that came out of that darkness was that at least I had gained a skill that would now help me in my new path as an artist. What actually got me back into it was that uh, the car dealership closed. They closed my branch. <laughs> they laid me okay. off and I was like, oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. All right. <laughs> Never mind. I didn't want to sell cars anyway. <laughs> it's funny because I, I see that now like the one, I mean, I spend more of my time. I mean, I, I spent the last couple of years writing music and then Prior to that, I had been doing some research into music marketing when I was in a pretty steady band in New York, but I couldn't seem to get the rest of the band to understand the importance of marketing the band. So it, it just felt like we were spinning our wheels. We weren't going anywhere. There was the potential, but it was just like we needed to know how to talk about our music to get people interested in. And uh, man, I spend so much of my time now like researching that and plotting and strategizing like the foundation of, you know, because it's so important if you want to make it into a business, which it is, it has to be a business, your art 
at the end of the day, if you want to do it for a living, you have to be a business person. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So you got fired or not fired, but they closed down. So they're just like, see you later. Right. Yeah. And and so what were your thoughts at that time? Were you thinking, Oh shit, I need to get another job. Or did you like draw a line in the sand and say, I'm tired of these shitty jobs. I'm going to go back to photography. What was going through your mind at that time? So everybody has said that 2020 has been like the worst year of their life. Mm -hmm. 2020 hasn't been that bad for me or my husband because 2019 was God awful. Okay. (laughs) You're planting Um, seeds in 2019, huh? Yeah. So in 2019, um, the whole, it just started at the beginning. It was terrible. Like our dog died like first of the year. That's awful. Like he held the family together. (laughs) and like he was pretty famous in in like the buffalo area (laughs) like a lot of people do our dog (laughs) um most people know my dog versus my name right exactly yeah Yeah, it was one of those things he was like a pillar of the community Mm -hmm. um he passed away and that was really hard on us and um then like it just kept getting worse and worse and worse my husband lost his job in June of 2019 Mm. and um we were we were we were in the middle of planning our wedding we've been together for years but we were we were just now going to get married we're in the middle of planning our wedding so and you know that kind of takes money because none of our parents are rich of course of course it does take money (laughs) yeah yeah and uh so we, we just had a lot of big stuff coming up. You know, we had bought a house in 2018. So it's like, okay, the mortgage, the wedding, you know, the, the, the regular bills, he lost his job. Okay. He somehow managed to get a new job, like the exact same job around the corner from the old job for the same amount of pay, same hours, this, this, and that same job, different cool. company within like two weeks. So we were like, okay, that's weird, but okay. That's great. Four days before we were supposed to go home to Buffalo for the wedding, I lost my job. Oh, wow. And we like, we still hadn't recovered from the time that he didn't have a job. Like we lost a good chunk of pay. Um, things, things were not going right. Um, so yeah, like four days before we were supposed to drive to Buffalo for the wedding, they told us we were not gonna be open anymore. I'm like, oh my God, okay. So we started to think about like, all right, what are we gonna do here? We live in a town where there's not a whole lot of opportunity for somebody like me, like my education and whatnot, I'm hireable for certain things that are not in this town Mm. my husband is already commuting an hour and a half for work we can't afford to have two commuters yeah so um that was the the decision of like okay fine i'm not gonna get a job i can't afford you know like full-time daycare etc it's it just really broke down to money and time like all right there's no jobs here that i can get we can't afford to commute, so I guess I'll work from home. Um, so that was how the photography business came back into fruition. So um, it was alive and thriving in Buffalo, and I had um, 
I had dissolved it when I got to Colorado because it was a New York based business. I never reinstated it in Colorado until August of 2019. So, um, I am happy to say that in 2020, uh, art is the majority of my pay. Awesome. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been uh, quite a journey. It is not always easy. Um, A lot of times I don't know when my next payday is and Mm -hmm. we just make it work. We just make it work, make it work because Frankly, I know that in the long run, this is what I need to be doing. This is how, this is, this is what I want to be doing. This is how I help the world Mm. because it's not always just about me. I frequently run charity auctions with my work and I've been, um, I have coaching services for other artists so that maybe they don't have to go through all the struggles that I went through. I can give them the shortcuts. Um, So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's why that's my big why is I, I couldn't stand the idea of somebody else telling me that I no longer had a job. Mm. Powerful. So now I'm the one that tells me whether I don't have a job (laughs) or do have a job. (laughs) Yeah, that's powerful because you're right. When you have a job, you are at the whim of your boss, right? And it can disappear. Yeah. And so, yes, while building your own business is scary because you're taking a chance on yourself, who better to take a chance on? Because you can make it work with enough effort. I truly believe it's just a matter of continuing to take a step forward yes. and you will yeah. make it work. And then when it's working, great. Now, now you have, uh, you know, your own job and no one can fire you. It's great. Exactly. Exactly. Because I know that no matter what happens, you know, coronavirus, uh, Black Lives Matter, um, elections, whatever it is that's going on, whatever external factors there are, I know that I can always adapt and pivot and adjust. But if I'm stuck within some sort of matrix of an already set business and I don't have control over the decision-making process, then I can't influence whether or not that business is going to be able to continue to operate or whether they're going to have to close their doors. Okay, great. So how, how, make that real for me, like this year in your business as a photographer, right? How did you pivot because of what was going on and, and how did it work for you? So in April, um, in April, I was supposed to have a, a show at the local cafe. So the pandemic was declared March 11th, right? Mm-hmm. And my show was supposed to be April 16th. And we thought like, okay, four weeks, like everything will be fine, right? Like no big deal. I was, you know, in contact with the, the cafe owner, like, hey, you think we're going to be good, right? Like it'll all be fine. He was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll be good. Mm -hmm. Time went on, time went on. It did not end up okay. And everything was locked down and um, my show was canceled. And I was like, dang, that was, you know, I really wanted to do that. Firstly, I had all this new work that I wanted to show. 
and it was going to be part of my income, you know? So I was like, oh man, that, that really stinks. So I thought about it for a while and then I was like, well, hold on. What actually prevents me from having the show anyway? Like we have Facebook live, we have all these different like video mm. streaming services now. Like what if I just did the show myself <laughs> and, and, you know, showed the work and tried to sell the work. So I started thinking more about that and I was like, what would make that more fun? Like what would make that more interesting? I was like, ah, what if I made it into an auction? Like, a, like Sotheby's, you know? Mm -hmm. So I changed the whole format of the show and I went ahead and did it online, which was great because it opened it up to, you know, not just people that I knew here in Colorado that might actually attend a physical show, but it yeah. opened it back up to my Buffalo family, my, my, um, my connections in Connecticut, my connections in North Carolina, um, anybody who wanted to join across the world. So I went ahead and did that and it was a wildly successful show. Oh, wildly beautiful. successful. I love hearing that. Give me goosebumps. I, I was blown away. We did a charity auction and um, the piece that I auctioned for charity um, <clears throat> went for like $280, but everybody was so pumped. Like the people who were bidding and they were like, oh, I can't afford that, but I still wanna, I still wanna donate. So we ended up doing a pool. We ended up raising $1,685 for the National Suicide Prevention Line. Cool. Yeah, and, and that was huge for me because, you know, I had this captive audience, I was able to bring joy to these people by getting them new artwork for their walls. Everybody's locked in their caves anyway. You need something to look at, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, it was a win-win for everyone. We helped the community. We helped each other. Everybody got to hang out. It was amazing. Um, and then I realized that I could actually turn that into another source of income for me. And I turned it into a course, a mini course. And now I sell that as a mini course on how exactly I did that. Got so, it. So you sell how to do an online art exhibit. Yep. It's called virtual art show and auction mini course. Mm -hmm. um, Beautiful. Yeah. So I have that available. Um, and then I, I started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching for artists. Um, I did a, a six weeks to becoming an exhibiting expert mm. um, because that's, that's something that I love to do. I love to do gallery shows. And mm. right now it's a little tough because of COVID, but it's a skill that they really don't teach you that much of in art school of like, they teach you how to make art, but they don't really teach you the business of art. It's funny because we've kind of had an opposite experience where, I mean, I grew up with music, but I also was an artist primarily in high school and I went to college for painting and drawing. And now I don't do that anymore. I do music. So we kind of, we, we flipped, but yeah, uh, but I think that's cool. So, so you sell the courses like on your own website or on Udemy or one of those like on my websites. own. Yeah, yeah. Direct sales. Yep. And how do you bring in uh, clients for like, say like a mini course, how many, what is that like a few weeks, two weeks? It's weeks? actually self-led. So self -led, okay. 
That's it's 97 bucks. Um, it's like eight modules long. So there's a video where I, um, uh, I talked to you about how to do it. I do some screen shares so you can really see exactly how I set it up. And then I've got, um, just notes as well, but you know, I'm happy to, um, you know, if somebody needs to contact me and it, what, as they're working their way through that course, I'm happy to answer questions and whatnot. Yeah, of um, course. The, the six weeks to becoming an exhibiting expert, that one's got a lot of meat to it. That's a hefty course. Um, so <clears throat> I originally ran that as like a, it took six weeks to get through it. You could go through it as like a self-led course, but it's probably better to have some, some guidance, some supervision. Um, if I get enough interest for that again, I, I could run another round and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, break it out into the six weeks, um, or people can just go through the course themselves, um, and then maybe ask questions. So I think it's great. Cause what I hear is that you have a passion as an artist, a photographer, you still pursue that. And you've been able to take the knowledge that you've naturally gained through that and turn it into a way to help other people. And so therefore have expanded your business. Right. And I see, I actually see a lot of people doing this. I, I spoke with a girl who um, self-published her own book and then people started asking her about self-publishing. Right. Yep. And then eventually she was like, well, you know, I guess I could go into like business helping people self-publish books. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was a big pivot for me this year was, okay, yes, I'm an artist and I make money as an artist, but I saw an opportunity that the pandemic really afforded me to take my business into a more virtual space um, and then was able to, you know, tweak it even more to help other artists. This was always what I loved about, about the arts and music scene was people helping people. It was never about competition. Oh, I'm better than you. Or, you know, no, this is my gallery or this, this or that. No, always, always, always. It was, Hey, I love your work. You love my work. This person is probably going to buy from you and me. There is no competition here because we are all so different. Mm -hmm. So it's not like when you compare, you know, this car dealership to this car dealership because they're selling the exact same thing <laughs> yeah. with artists and musicians. There is none of the same thing. So there's no reason to feel competition or jealousy between each other. Yes, you might be you might be admiring of somebody else's being farther along than you, but when it really comes down to it, there's no reason that somebody wouldn't buy my artwork and your artwork. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Um, yeah. The, the non-competitive attitude is something that this gentleman named Wallace Waddles, he wrote a book called the science of getting rich an interesting book it's more about the thought process and like philosophical but he, he talks about like this idea of not believing in competition right because the competitive mindset puts the body and your energy state in a contracted place and uh, uh, uh no i want it for Level me vibration right there. exactly exactly you got it but the opposite of not believing that the competition even exists 
right? Just puts you in an open, expanded place. And then from there, look out, <laughs> anything's possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was my big pivot this year. It's going to be ever changing, you know, um, I just, I just released a new gallery uh, to the public this morning, actually, um, mm -hmm. called Achromic Obsidian. Uh, so that was fun for me. So basically, I've been doing online gallery releases just through my own websites this year because I haven't been able to do a whole lot of gallery shows. And it's kind of fun because when you do it that way, I can, you know in one year, I might only do, in a good year, I might only do, you know, five or six gallery shows. But if I do it this way, I can release as much work as I want to. <laughs> so. That's true. That's true. That's great. Absolutely. So, so you're a mother. Oh, the video's freezing on us here. We'll see what happens. We'll see if you come back. Oops, there you are. Hey, perfect. I knew, <laughs> I knew it would take it. like, oh no. <laughs> That's okay. Is it, uh, it could be my end. Is it all right? Mm, yeah, I got you now. Yeah, perfect. Well, it cut off at a great time. And then I was at mid question. I was asking you a question. I don't know if you heard it. I didn't. But, um, so, so one of the things I'm curious about is since that you're a mother, right? You have mm -hmm. a daughter, you said? Yep, she's five. That? Yeah, cool. So one of the things I'm always curious about with my mother interviewees, do I, do I don't know if that's a word, <laughs> uh, is the challenges that you deal with around mom guilt and putting time towards yourself and your art because we have this story in our culture that in order to be a good mom or a good parent, I should say, you have to be giving all your energy to your child all the time. And I don't prescribe or agree with that story, but I'm saying that that is one that then people need to work through. So I'm curious if that came up at all for you. It comes up every day. There we go. Okay. Every day. So, so um, walk me through so it. About halfway through the year after lockdown, actually, after lockdown, because I kept her out of daycare because her daycare was open the whole time. And I was like, oh, I don't think I want to send her to school. <laughs> um, so I kept her home throughout lockdown. And then when I sent her back to school, I had started making enough money to afford uh, full-time care because she had only been in part-time care. So I was like, all right, no, this is it. She's going back to full-time care. And um, that's going to allow me more time in my day to work on my business. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's like anybody else who has a regular job, really, you know, you've got your set hours of like, okay, my kid is gone from nine to five or eight to three or whatever it is. So this is how much time I have to work. Yeah. Now the problem is when you're an entrepreneur, it always leaks into the evening, the weekends, you know, it's, it's a 24 hour job. It is um, a 24 hour job for those listening out there. It is a 24 hour job, but it's worth it. Yeah. So here's the thing. It affords you freedom if you let it. Mm, Otherwise, 
it will eat up your entire psyche for all 24 hours, <laughs> even while you sleep. I'm laughing because I've had that experience. I've had a couple online businesses and yeah, they're that, that I used to joke because they say with an online business that you can work from anywhere. And really what that translates to, if you can work from anywhere, means you end up working everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it's honestly not that healthy. So I've had to really put in, you know, you reevaluate every day of like how to not be selfish. Um, mm. Because you have to, you have to balance. Okay. I need to stop at 5 PM. And if I don't, I'm basically being selfish, or at least that's what it feels like to me as a mother, because okay. if I don't give not just my daughter, but also my husband and my dog, the mm. amount of attention that they need, then what are we doing here? Good question. Why are we going to live an unhappy life just so that I can be an artist that doesn't, that doesn't translate into a happy life? Well, so, what I'd love to reflect back, though, is what I heard you say earlier, is that when you weren't doing art, there was also a level of dissatisfaction. So this makes you happy at, to an extent. Do you know what I mean? So it's both. To, an extent, to both. an extent. So it still always, always breaks down to balance. And, and I'm, I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I, I said, of course. And, and I think that's the, the excellent point to bring up. It's all about balance and boundaries right? It's like you have to start to set boundaries for the business so that you can remain a family person or, you know, those priorities too. Right. And she's little right now. I mean, she's not going to want to hang out with me forever. And I have to be respectful of that because if I don't take advantage of it now, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss it. And yeah. I don't, I don't want to look back and, and regret it. So I'm doing what I can to make sure that I'm, uh, you know, doing what I need to do for the business and then doing what I need to do for my family and enjoying it along the way. You know, mm -hmm. um, she loves, she loves, uh, coming and taking pictures with me. She loves it. She'll probably be a photographer then. So, maybe. I saw this video the other day. My dad sent me a video of my, Okay, so it would be my sister's um, son. So I don't know, my nephew? Would it be my nephew? Yeah, yeah. Uncle Mike. <laughs> I'm like, don't even know what that's called. My, my little nephew. <laughs> and my brother-in-law is playing guitar and singing. He's also an amazing songwriter. He actually does the song for this podcast, which was sick. I and, listened to it this morning. I was oh, listening thanks. to the show you this morning yeah <laughs> yeah i'm playing the drums on it we recorded a record together and i was like hey man can i borrow this song and he was like absolutely it's fair it's fair right i played the drums but anyways what i was saying my dad sent me a video of him playing guitar with his son and his son is like jumping up and down and like head banging you know and it's a and i just said to my dad i was like oh boy you just created a music addict like you watch this kid is going to be hooked on music for life because he's going to associate those good vibrations that good energy with enjoyment and pleasure right yeah he'll chase anything so my daughter uh she's like I, i'm not sure but i'm pretty sure she's like a metalhead <laughs> <laughs> what like, makes you think that uh so not just metal but like super heavier harder rock um 
the drums in Led Zeppelin songs, she goes nuts. And then the other the other day, cool. um, ACDC just released a new song. If you didn't hear that yet, <laughs> really interesting. They're still alive. Yes. Like what? Yes, ACDC just released a new song, and it came on the radio, and my daughter just started going nuts. And it's funny because like we don't generally listen to too much of that around the house. Uh, my husband is um, he's like a folk punk guy, and I'll listen to like a lot of like indie or um, or like old 90s stuff yeah. uh so it's kind of strange that she she just picked that like that's what makes her go crazy and want to dance <laughs> so she's like a, in the womb. A, a hair metal kind of <laughs> rocker chick. Those, those drums folk punk what is folk punk um, the, you'll look it up when, uh, when we get off here, the, the best, um, example would be Mischief Brew. Okay. Mischief Go ahead and look up Mischief Brew when, when we get off, you'll find, you'll find plenty mm -hmm. of their albums. I'll send you a song specifically. Okay. Actually, I could probably send you my husband's band camp too. Well, cause I was going to ask, I wanted to know if your husband still makes music, like what's his deal these days? Should he come he on the doesn't. podcast too? <laughs> he does it. Okay. It oh. makes me really sad. He doesn't, and I can't force him, and he can't, you know, like, maybe he'll get back around to it at some point. Yeah. So, Is there a, yeah. There's obviously a scene out there. got to be in Colorado, right? We live an hour and a half into the sticks away from Denver, right. so. That's tough. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, there's just, there's just things that still kind of, when you're busy parenting, there are things that do just there will be time. There will be time later in life as well for some of the things that want to be done. So. Yeah. I consider music and art, all art to be a life sport. Meaning like I will always yeah. play guitar and the drums now for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. You will always He'll be still a pick up a guitar here and there, but uh, he's not playing out anywhere. Yeah. But also, you know, it's important we only have a certain amount of energy during the day, right? So on the days where I go to my job, uh, I don't do as much for my music career and my business because the energy output that I'm giving to my other, my job, right? Takes away energy from my ability to put in to the, to the music career. And then, you know, I do force myself sometimes in, in the nights to hustle and to, to do something, but right. not always. Yeah. Did it yeah, break up? You know, so there's uh, and having a five year old takes a lot of energy too. Well, like, that's, that's for me exactly. Like you, you only so, have so much energy, yeah. and you have to look after a five year old. It makes sense that you send her to school, right? To like a daycare. Yeah. You said right. It, yeah. yeah, it's a daycare. Um, I mean, it may as well be a school. She's there anywhere from, you know, 20 to 40 hours a week, depending on what's going on with, uh, with me and work and, and that kind of thing. So, um, but it's, imp it's important for her too. She needs social interaction of Absolutely. people her age. We don't have family where we live. So she doesn't have her cousins. She doesn't have her grandparents, her aunts and uncles, you know, so it's important for her to not just see mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think it's great that, you know, like you are taking your business 
serious to the point where, you know, you're like, Hey, this is my job. So my daughter goes to school when I'm at my job. Right. I mean, right. I told myself 2020, the, the beginning of the year, I was like, okay, this year I'm going to make my music career as serious as I have made my past career. Like give it the same amount mm -hmm. of energy, right? Because so much of us, I think so many of us look at our passions and our ideas of maybe have a career, but we don't treat it as serious. So we still are treating it like a hobby. And if you treat it like a hobby, it will remain a hobby. And if exactly. you want to have it be a hobby, awesome. Good on you, right? But right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you want to make it your yep. job, you got to so. go all in. That's exactly it. All in. And this is what this is what a lot of people don't even realize that they're not doing. Like even back in Buffalo, I I always had a job. Art was always like, like, oh maybe i'll maybe i'll be a famous artist one day maybe this maybe that i always had like you know whatever job that was trying to like hold me over and i i i feel like i could have gone more all in back then and mm -hmm. been so much farther ahead than i am now yeah but you can't regret all that i it's okay it's okay i'm gonna give myself some grace on that I hear you. I, it's funny you say that because um, there was a period when we moved here to Belgium, I didn't have a job because I left my career behind. So I had this incredible opportunity of time and space that I could have been putting into my music career, right? And instead, what I did was try to build an online, another business, an online business that I wasn't truly passionate about, right? But my thought yeah. process was, I've got to make this more realistic thing work out because when I make this realistic thing work out, I will then have the finances to put in towards this unrealistic thing that I call a music career over here. And it's also easier to tell people like, you know, hey, Mike, what are you doing? Oh, I'm working on my music career. Like you'll get a lot of judgment for that versus like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm working on my online coaching business as a chiropractor, you know? And people are like, oh, yeah. that's incredible, right? So they, they validate you You're there. like, why is that incredible? That's actually no. super, like, mediocre and mundane, you know? Yeah, <laughs> not, not to knock it. No, but, I agree with you. Like, yeah, it's so, exactly. Yeah, it's why great. is that valued? It's great to them because of how normal it is. That's what they all, everyone values normalcy. Yeah. And what's great is to, yeah, right? go make your music or your art, your photography, your career. That's astounding and great. And yeah, I wish I had had more foresight to use that time to build my music career because I would be so much further ahead than where I am now. But I like what you said, give myself some grace. <laughs> we can't beat ourselves up about that. All we can do is say, I'm all in and, yeah. and no more. I refuse to settle for anything less than the amazing things Success. that I know I'm capable of. Exactly. Powerful yeah. statement. Super powerful statement right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all a learning experience, right? I look back and I realize, like, okay, I had to try those things that I did because ultimately they, they were still a thought that I had in my mind. And ultimately mm -hmm. it didn't, um, it wasn't what I thought it would be. And so therefore I left it behind for like just, just now getting a job. I was just like, I'm just going to go get a job because then if I just have a job, that's not my 
career or my business. Like, cause man, having a business, like you said, you're the chef, you're the, you're the, the, you know, the janitor, you're, you're the everything person, right? When you have that everything. business, like, yeah, if you just have a job, it's easier to then try to build a business on the side of it because you don't have to be the everything person in both places. So, whew. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I know that there's um, bigger and better things coming my way at every turn. It doesn't mean that I don't have huge mental breakdowns, just like every other entrepreneur. <laughs> um, and some days it does feel like it's all crashing down. But then you get to do something like this, have, you know, have a conversation with somebody about, you know, the amazing journey that we are all on. And you look back at the stepping stones that got you there and you say, you know what, whatever it is, I'm, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be because all of those experiences, all of those experiences got me here. Yes. So as long as I'm working towards where I want to be and not just where life might randomly take me, then I know that I'm doing the right things. Amen. Yeah, let that sink in. Yeah, exactly. That's a beautiful, uh, powerful statement. You're filled with them today. <laughs> <laughs> it was all our talk about Cuca Lake, man. That There's something holy about that water. <laughs> there is some, I'm getting goosebumps again thinking about that. There is something holy about Cuca Lake. It is so obvious to people that spend time there especially you know a good portion of time there is something holy about it i miss that place dearly this is my favorite place on the planet yeah. maybe we'll have yeah. a i know and it's so it's so simple because some people are like what do you mean you know you could go to dubai or or yeah. someplace tropical or or yeah. everest or this i'm like no just give me, just give me cute lake seriously like <laughs> My family, like we said, they rent a cottage every summer and I'm so excited to go there. It's like, that's exactly what I want to do. So we got to go this summer. We were there in August cool. when, 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 you know, the virus was nice and low and everything was, you know, okay, fine. We drove, we didn't get on a plane. We just hung out in the car and mm -hmm. drove to Cuba Lake. Yeah. Well, it's like Pusha T. He has a song and he says, if you know, you know, you know. Mm -hmm. That's how it is with Cuca Lake. Yeah. If you know, you know. Um, right. I know we're giving away our secrets. I know. Cuca Lake is terrible. That. I'll edit it out. I'll just take that out. I won't even give it away. <laughs> we'll have uh, neighboring cottages someday. Someday we will. We'll be neighbors. That's awesome. <laughs> on, the, on the east side for sure. The world is so small now, Mike. Isn't it funny? It is small. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the other guy that I interviewed from upstate, we had a connection and he he had like um, worked for this guy for a minute and the guy that our connection he was the guy who mixed my music my like upcoming single that I'm about to release um, is this guy in Ithaca New York and he mixed it for me and it's like great dude you know yeah, so, so random we we're like oh my god small world crazy right yeah I have a friend that lives in Ithaca I have some friends from Painted Post, Corning, Elmira, Horsehead yeah yeah, I've got a lot of friends and family back there. Well, all right, Andrea. So I think a final wrap-up question I'd love to, to ask, right? I'd like to ask everybody. 
is, you know, if there's somebody out there who is listening and they're thinking about, you know, getting into their art, turning into a career, you know, what advice would you give those people? Consistency is key. Mm. You need to be determined and even when it's hard, you have to, you can take a day off, but as soon as you take two days off, you start to get scared. Mm. You can take a break when you need to take a break, but as soon as you take that extra day off, you start to, the fear creeps in and um, massive action is a lot better than no action at all. So yeah. consistency, massive action, and just knowing that if it's something that you want for yourself, then the universe is already there to provide it for you. Because if it exists in here, it can exist out here. <laughs> well, you've been listening to Bob Proctor. Is that what you've been doing? No. Do you know who that is? I don't. Oh, he always says if you can if you can uh, imagine it in your head or if you can hold it in your head, you can hold it in your hand. It's very true. It is true. Uh, yeah, I believe that the universe supports us as well. Yeah, absolutely. If you, if you can imagine it for yourself, you can make it happen. That's but it sweet. takes it takes hard work. It is not a super easy path. That's why not everybody does it. So you got to have guts. Yes. Love it. So when is, uh, well, you just released a show. Where can we all find out more information about your artwork and connect with you online, Andrea? Okay. So let me. And I'll put all this <laughs> in the show notes. So this will all awesome. be. Thank you. I was going to say, don't. Uh, so I'm on Facebook. Okay. Um, Andrea Cox. That's my personal page. AJB Photography is my business page on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram as Andrea Cox underscore Dream Builder. Oh, and that's Cox with an X, everybody. But the, yes, there'll thank be a you. link. Oh, no X. <laughs> my maiden name is Bruff, so I really didn't get a whole much, a lot of improvement. <laughs> I like that. Bruff, B R U F F. Just B-R-O-U-G-H, rough with a B in front of it. Oh, got it, rough. Yep. Cool. Yep, it's British. So yeah. anyway, um, those are two places you can find me. Um, you can find my current stuff for sale at AJB Photography number two mm -hmm. dot shootproof.com. Okay. And that'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll yep. connect to get this all linked up. Awesome, Andrea. Yeah, super fun talking to you, Mike. Super fun talking to you too. So great to meet a fellow upstater and a Cuga Lake lover. That's great. Right? Yes. Yeah. Small world. I love that. I love that connection. Small world is right. Cool. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming <laughs> on and sharing with us all. I really appreciate your time. And I, I really hope appreciate you your time. This was actually a huge mood booster for me because even with my negative test result last night, I was still just feeling the anxiety, you know, totally. things are 
intense in America right now. Totally, so, they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yep. Well, they're they're still pretty tense over here in Europe, but not as much. That's for sure. Yeah. So. Oh, good. I'm glad that it boosted your mood. Go take that high energy and put it into your business and your art, right? Right. Awesome. Hell yeah. Okay. We'll talk again soon. Yes, we will. Have a great day. Bye, Andrea. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Reconnecting to the Artist Within. To join the conversation and dig deeper into your own creative process, hop on over to our private Facebook group, Reconnecting with Our Inner Artist. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please consider listening to one of the other powerful interviews on this channel. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And if you have a moment to leave a review, that would really help the show reach more people just like you. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Mike Murray, and I look forward to bringing you more quality interviews like this. Much love and peace and have a great day.